HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. It's a butter egg made from plants. Bring more customers in your doors with Just Egg. Start with a free sample at ju.st hrn. With our growing season just around the corner, we're sowing seeds of knowledge and empathy on this week's episode of Meet and Three through four unique stories. I'm always shocked at how aggressive people are with their language. I'll have something like Japanese knockweed and they'll say, you know, these are terrible. They're, they're foreigners. They're invasive. And, you know, but they're also, you know, they're really healthy if you eat them. We're surrounded by seeds that have already adapted to live with us. And they're actually already kind of living in the future because cities are hotter and they're more polluted and they're more fragmented and these are the plants that can deal with that. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Item 13, an African food podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Akuaku. Every week, we'll delve into the delicious world of African food, including chefs, curators, and bloggers. Here's the show. So, um, welcome to another episode of Item 13. This week, I'm thrilled. I'm one, I'm thrilled because we're going back home for me (laughs) Um, and to talk about a a subject that's really near and dear to me. Um, And... The, our guest today, I think we'll have one has lived in Ghana for quite a bit, so we'll have an interesting perspective. But also because she's, um, um, would I call you what? What would you like to call yourself today? An expat, an immigrant? I usually call myself a culinary entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's based in from from the Netherlands and based in based in Ghana now. So that I think that will be an interesting perspective in terms of. Uh, food culture situation. Well, welcome, welcome to the show. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so I want to start first with telling us a little bit about who you are, where yes. you're from, where you grew up, you know, any major influences in terms of food and then how you ended up in, in Ghana. Yeah, that was, uh, that was quite a journey. Um, <laughs> Well, I am originally from uh, from Holland, from Amsterdam, and um, how I ended up in food is very simple. My mom had a catering company. She was a chef 
And obviously, when you're young, you don't want to end up like your parents. So <laughs> I tried to fight it for a very long time. Um, I worked in uh, festivals and event production for a long time, uh, focusing mostly on big events. And then slowly, I ended up um, in food, in catering. And that's because, <laughs> obviously, um, that is because... Um, one day, I think a friend of mine came up and he said, oh, I'm starting, a, I'm starting a, a, an academy, a food academy. And um, we are going to talk about the future of our global food system. Do you want to participate? And I said, well, I don't really work in food, so I'm not sure if you really want me there. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a small, small caterer and I, I love cooking. He said, yeah, yeah, but you have an interesting background with events, so why don't you join? So I ended up doing that academy, and it was one of the most life-changing things I did. It's called um, the Youth uh, Slow Food Youth Academy, and it was 25 young uh, potentials within the food and agricultural system um, that were talking about the future of our food system, about the challenges we had. And the interesting part was that it was not just um caterers or chefs it was stakeholders throughout the whole food system who were going on this journey learning about the food system discussing it and because they were um having a discussion throughout the whole food chain it was a very holistic very interesting conversation where you had a farmer talking to a chef talking to a marketeer talking to a politician or an activist um and that was such a great learning experience that after that, I said, okay, I'm going to quit my job in music production and I'm going to focus on food full time. So I uh, got involved in that organization, the Slow Food Youth Network, um, for a couple of years, um, organized the academy for a couple of years. So I was very lucky. I got schooled by all these different experts and, um, and uh, scientists and and from there, uh, my old work started calling me. Um, <clears throat> these were festivals and they said, hey, we heard you dived into sustainable food and would you like to look at the, the, the catering on our festivals? And that's how I actually started my company called The Food Lineup. And this company uh, did catering for big scale events, starting with festivals from 10,000 to 20,000 people a day. And we had to feed them. And that was quite a challenge, especially when you want to do that sustainably. Um, and um, I've built that company for eight years. Uh, slowly, we shifted from festivals to big corporate events. So we did big things like KLM and uh, Tata Steel and Booking.com. So all the big, big fish out there. Um, and it was really interesting. But I think after eight years, I was ready for a new challenge. And uh, uh, that was also the time when my husband, who was a political advisor for the Minister of Agriculture, was ready for a new challenge. And we were always very fascinated about West Africa because we felt like um, if we're talking about the future of our food, West Africa is one of the most interesting places where the changes that are going to face us are already happening there. And the biggest challenges like um, population growth, climate change are, are, are most pressing in, in, in that area. So we figured if we're working on those uh, questions and those challenges, then why not move to West Africa? Um, so we ended up in Ghana, in Accra. And um, 
that's um, yeah, that's basically how I ended up in Ghana. I can just now follow up with the whole story. But <laughs> that's that's cool. Wow, that that's interesting. And so um, you came to Ghana. You, you know, you left your life back in in the Netherlands, back in Amsterdam. Um, came to Ghana, and then what sort of was so you've now it for me it sets a better context now that I understand what you were doing back back home in the Netherlands but then what in Ghana as you came to to sort of settle in and maybe learn a little bit more about our food culture our food systems what about what you were learning made you decide to um focus on or create or co-create with other people this Ghana food movement yeah, that's, that's really interesting because, as you said, as I was learning about the food culture and food system, well, that was actually the hard part. Um, I came to Ghana and I do what I usually do when I travel. I uh, start eating the food so I get to know the culture. Um, and I was trying Ghanaian food and I didn't really get past seven staple dishes, you know, Kenke, Banku, Fufu, Wache, Jolof. I guess I guess you had most of it, tilapia, and then and then and then that was it. And I was so curious and at the same time also frustrated that I couldn't really peel off those other layers. Where was the regional food? What was, you know, I there wasn't really any local restaurants or I mean there's of of course there's Ghanaian food, but there isn't like regional restaurants. Um and also, there's not much else on offer. Uh, obviously, if you know the city really well, if you or if you've been lear- living your whole life in Ghana, that's a different story. But as an outsider, it's really hard to get past those seven dishes. Um, so I started meeting up with chefs and other people working in food, um, which I thought were very inspiring and really interesting. And, and, and as I would like to say, they were the game changers in, 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 in food in Ghana. And uh, we, we talked about this and they agreed, you know, that it's hard to actually celebrate local food culture. There isn't much pride or value in the local cuisine. Um, and I've also noticed that all these people I met, they all knew each other a little, but they weren't really connected And that surprised me as well, because I remembered from Holland that if I went to conferences or uh, whatever, like network drinks, like I would always bump into the same people because we were all connected. It was we were all speakers or experts at conferences or, you know, we were we were one because we were all fighting for the same thing, which was, you know, a better food system. And in Ghana, there were these fighters and these game changers, but they weren't connected. and I thought that was a missed opportunity because if you really want to change something, you have to you have to stick together, you know, you have to make one fist. And uh, I guess that was the beginning of an idea for the Ghana food movement, which was obviously also inspired by my experiences uh, from yeah. Holland. And obviously, because I'm an outsider, uh, it's not about me. It was about all these amazing game changers who also felt that there was uh, there was a need to be more connected and to to work together and to make one to make one fist. So uh, I asked them, would you be interested in in building a movement together? 
uh, and luckily they all said yes. <laughs> and we got around the dinner table and we cooked a nice dinner and we had a few drinks and uh, that was it. The Ghana food movement was born. That's, um, oh my gosh, so much to, to unpack in all of what you just said. And I hadn't actually thought about it, I guess, from um, even from an outsider's perspective, because some of the pre-reading I was doing before our interview, you had mentioned, you know, that the lack of pride or the, you know, lack of regional food or being it being difficult to find regional food but now and I was ready to challenge that but now as you talk about it especially as an outsider I can see how that can be because if you're a local Ghanaian one there's probably places that you know to you know yeah. going you know in a corner corner can ask Ghanaian to say somewhere <laughs> where you can find it or two a lot of that happens at home. And I think part of it is also just how intense, labor intensive some of our cook, you know, making our food can be. And so from for me, who's like, who's an era from the Volta region, I think oh, right. about even growing up, um, some of the stuff, and Selassie will say, Selassie Atadika, who, um, who is a, you know, fantastic chef, who is also really trying to, you know, reintroduce our grains and whatnot into, into, mainstream Ghana if you will we've talked about this the fact that you know some of the foods we grew up eating we can no longer find like I grew up you know having wheat wheat porridge and all sorts of different types of porridge with different grains that we don't have anymore um super hyper local like um regional foods from the Volta region like my my aunts or my great aunts, when they came to the city, will bring all of that food. So they would bring fish, they would bring a bolo, they would bring a yakayake, which you wouldn't find in Nakra, or they would make it when they came over, right? And so you're right, I wouldn't necessarily find those regional foods um, on the streets of Accra or in some restaurant in Accra. And that's an interesting idea in terms yeah. of regional foods. Because the last time I was in Accra last year, was the first time I actually was able to go to um, a northern Africa. It's a northern um, Ghanaian restaurant on like East Ligon on Spin maybe Spintex Road. I forget what it's called. Maybe it's just called Northern Ghana or something. Um, but it didn't even click then that, you know, that's probably one of few regional focus. So that's interesting. And then this idea of us not being connected too, because you think about Ghanaians being supposed, not supposedly, <laughs> being like incredibly hospitable and friendly people. But that mm -hmm. idea of, you know, connecting... Um, it's, it's, you know, you think it's, it's super obvious, but in terms of organizing, we've not been very good about that. So that's great. And then just for the purposes of those listening, I did attend the, I think it was the inaugural Ghana Food Movement um, event at Thea House. Is, I think it's Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I was in Ghana then. So that was really fun. Because I think for me, it was the first time I was in a space where all of these people were in the same room together because I, I know people individually. And See? so <laughs> it was great in that, um, you know, you had all these people in the same room. But then also I really enjoyed that the themes of you know sustainability and local food and regional food was also incorporated in the event and so I remember it was potluck style um 
people like Kinara made like Dawa Dawa Jollof. There was all sorts of interesting foods yes. that you wouldn't typically find at a regular, like like a regular Ghanaian gathering, you'll find your typical jollof or whatever, you know, whatever is easier for people to make and eat for groups. So that I was really impressed by one, the ability to bring all those people together in one space. And then even just, you know, food was served in like huge banana leaves in some cases, you know, driving home that sustainability. So it was, it was for, for a first event, I was very impressed. One, by the caliber of people that showed up and then two, the effort for sure that it seemed to have been put in to make sure that some of those things were incorporated. So for, for, the, for, for, the, for, for a kickoff, I thought it was really great. Nice. Um, That's really exciting. I actually didn't know you attended that. <laughs> I was there, yeah. <laughs> I, find, um, I find actually like being together in a space where you have one thing that, that connects you all, which is food, is such a strong bond because all the conversations you start, and especially because it was potluck, so everybody also brought something, it creates this immense pride of, of the culture and also this uh, connection that we have uh, interculturally actually about food. And it's, it's such a strong feeling because you feel like even though you don't know each other, you, you know each other, you right. know, because you, you have the same passion. And this is, I think, one of the most, this one of the strongest empowering uh, forces behind the movement as well. Yeah, and for me, who like I'm a natural introvert, and so even going to any sort of event where I don't know anybody, and so I think I'm trying to remember the timing of it because I think I had it was either at the very beginning of my time, like I just come to a craft or something, and. So I hadn't told anybody I was going. And usually because I'm an introvert, I like to know two or three people who are going to be there so that I yeah. know to go towards. But I, you know, I walked in like super blind. I was like, this is food. I, I'm sure I will know people there. And for me, I was just, even for the people that I didn't know, just being able to immediately connect because, you know, we are there for, you know, around the same theme about something we're really passionate about was just fantastic. So it's one of those events that I went into blind and came, came out of thinking like wow like I was inspired re-inspired again <laughs> for the work that I'm doing re-energized and it just was um and I've been following ever since closely like the work that you do so um <laughs> <that's> <laughs> really <laughs> it's great so speaking of like let's tell people what what does the gun so we've convened all of these people what does the gun present do now what do you what do you do all right. Well, I think it's important to explain what is a movement in general. You yeah, know, a movement sure. is a, yeah. group, a group of people uh, with a shared purpose who create change together. And um, I think what we do is the Ghana Food Movement is a roof. It is a roof where under we gather and empower game-changing food actors in Ghana. So chefs, farmers, nutritionists, filmmakers, journalists, bloggers, producers, entrepreneurs, you name it. Anybody who's active in the food chain. Um, that is very important. And then the second thing, what we, what we are, is a magnifying glass. So we amplify these game-changing food actors and what they, what they say and do by uniting them 
doing some really good PR and then creating a louder voice that will be heard. You know, I think that's really important. I think as just to go back a little bit on what you said about um, um, collaborating, working together. Um, yeah, I think Ghanaians are it's, it's such a strong uh, sense of community and they are very hospitable. But at the same time, I think there's also a bit of a fear, a fear of being copied um, uh, um, and a fear of working together, you know, because let's be honest, people, they, they copy the hell out of each other here and it's bad, you know. Uh, so I really understand that fear. But in this case, I feel like if you are in it to change something, nobody will come to Ghana or nobody will write just about you, you know, you need to work together so there is uh there is this 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 big fist that people that they, they can't deny you know they're like oh this is a strong movement and and we this needs to be heard um so that's yeah. why the magnif the magnifying glass is very yeah. important as well and 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 as you um actually even before you answer that you move on to answer you know what does the movement do as you were defining the movement it actually reminded me of us trying to do that at that first event where we're really trying to focus on the fact that it's not an organization it's not a um you know it's not you know this is the president and the secretary and this is uh, who's going to be yeah. doing what um i remember that very distinctly from that event but i also then i remember thinking then how do you move for because i'm i, I come from the business world so like structure and organization for me it's like almost in, embedded in me and so I remember coming out of that though and wondering you know how who then who who is accountable for what and who's responsible for what yeah. if it's you know if you don't have someone that's sort of truly in charge like I understand that I understand the concept and the and the probably innate need to make it a movement so that it feels like we're all in this together in some ways but then mm -hmm. I also remember thinking back then but then how do you move someone has to lead eventually to move yeah you know some of initiatives forward and so I remember wondering about that as well I think uh well in, in general like the setup of a movement is actually built around, along, um, around a strong pipeline of leaders, mm. which is basically the most active members we have, which are basically people who have some time to spare and are super passionate about it. Um, and then the rest of the movement is built up around solid partnerships, a powerful grassroots support, and a shared political goal. But you are right. Like, a movement is vague. It's a very, um, very natural thing that, uh, I mean, obviously, because I, I have quite a lot of, since I sold my company, I have quite a lot of free time and I don't need to make money straight away. So I am one of those people who is very passionate and has a lot of time to put in. Um, do I want to be the leader of the gang? No, because I'm not Ghanaian, you know? So it's it, it feels wrong to uh, even doing this talk with you. Um, it was hard for me because I felt like I, you know, I shouldn't be the one talking about the Ghana food movement. On the other hand, I am right now one of the people who is investing a lot of time in it so I'll probably one be one of the persons who can explain it the best um, but we are a group of 10-12 people um, that are putting in a lot of time a lot of energy a lot of talent 
uh, to grow this movement. And very naturally, some people will then get busier and, and fall a little bit to the background and new people will come in. So I've noticed also that we started out with a group uh, uh, of strong pipeline leaders, which were a bit older, who had a lot of experience. So there was Selassie and Elijah and but you also notice those people are very busy. So then a couple of young people come in, young chefs, and they have more time to spend. So then they 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 pick up uh, where others left, you know? So it's a very natural process as well. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it has its challenges. <laughs> um, but it's important, I feel like that enough people feel inspired and included by it that they say like oh you know what so i have an idea maybe maybe we can do something with my idea and then we'll run with it that's the fun thing as well like nobody's deciding what we're doing there's just somebody saying like oh i have an idea and the rest is like oh that's a good idea let's do that you know Cool. All right. So, so now let's we've we both <laughs> sort of we've gone around. Let's come now. Let's come back now to to what does the movement? <laughs> what does the? But I mean, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I, I think it's important to explain and distinguish that, right? For for people who are listening and trying to understand. So I I don't mind yeah. that we we went <laughs> we went roundabout in that way. Um, and I hope that's helpful <laughs> who are who are listening. So now we'll talk about what the, the movement does today. Yes. So uh, what we do is we uh, we build partnerships, uh, we create online visibility and events. Um, so online means that we have our social media where we're very active, sharing all kinds of knowledge, uh, all kinds of uh, game changing uh, pioneers. And we have the YouTube channel now the Ghana Food Movement YouTube channel where we share videos of our events, some masterclasses, the food safaris are on there. Um, and then the events we do right now is, like I said before, the food safaris. So they are uh, day trips, uh, which are deep dives into local food culture. So it's a really fun way of getting to know local food culture by diving into an ingredient like millet or fonio or um, uh, diving into local drink culture. So learning about pitto and asana and akpateshi and the palm wine. Um, or we have one about fish where we learn all about uh, tilapia and uh, um, let's see. Um, yeah, uh, we have, uh, uh, yeah, that's it, <laughs> sorry. No, oh, I, I think, no, I, I actually, when I saw that, so I remember, you know, one of those days, you're just aimlessly scrolling on, on Instagram, and I saw that, and I thought, that is such a cool idea, it's been, I've always wanted to do something, you know, and again, not being based in Ghana, for me, is a challenge sometimes, I try to go home, um, well, in the last few years, I'm home like two or three times a year. Um, obviously, with with <laughs> with COVID, I haven't been home now for a year, which is so strange to me. Like, <laughs> I can imagine being able to yeah. travel. Um, but yeah, it's the sorry. It's so it's the food safaris, and then we uh, we started doing the food film thought nights, oh, yeah. which is uh, which is uh, showcasing a movie. So the first one was was about indigenous food in Ghana. And we had this great documentary by Emmanuel Atim, uh, which is called Indigenous. And yeah, it was I remember he, he, oh, so that came out. So I remember him him working on it, but I never saw the yeah. 
Oh, I can share. Yeah, we, we can share the link with you. It's amazing. And then uh, we had a talk. So the idea of the night is we have a movie. Then we have a talk that puts everything into context. So especially when we show a foreign film, it's important to put it into Ghanaian context. Um, so with the indigenous, we had Emmanuel Tim and we had uh, Joseph Kakpo, which is uh, an agricultural journalist for Joy News. He's won nine awards already for his work. Um, he's 29, so he's a really, really oh, wow. young talent who's also part of the Ghana food movement. Um, and he did a, he, they did an interview together, which was really interesting. And then we had a dinner afterwards with Kinora Awini from uh, Telanda World mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, Terence, uh, Chef Terence. And they did a dinner inspired on the movie. So every night, uh, every food film thought night is a movie, uh, a talk, and then uh, a dinner. Um, and then we do uh, the eat-in. So the, the, the event that you went to, we call an eat-in, mm. um, which is a, an, just a very low profile network evening where we, where we have all these grassroots partners come together and we share food that we made ourselves. Um, and then we do a taste of Ghana, which is the uh, chef's challenge where we're trying to challenge chefs to utilize and uh, experiment with local and indigenous ingredients. And this also came, came to show because it was me and Selassie uh, thinking about that most of the chefs in all the big hotels in Accra are foreign. And also, um, uh, like we also said about valuing local, uh, local food, if if there's any celebration here in Ghana or you're going out for dinner, it's usually continental, you know, and it's such a shame because there is so much to share uh, when it comes to dishes, ingredients, stories, uh, techniques. Uh, but uh, the problem is if you also have all these foreign chefs running these kitchens, um, there's going to be a lot of continental food. So, uh, and then probably these chefs had like fufu or banku once or twice and they're like, yeah, it's not for me, you know? And then they just disregard it and that's it. They're done with Ghanaian cuisine. And it's a shame, you know? So we really wanted to challenge them. We had them all on the table and Selassie cooked this amazing dinner um, showcasing a couple of uh, indigenous ingredients like dawa dawa, prekesev, revra seeds. And uh, we showed them how they can actually use that into modern interpretations, modern uh, cuisine, old cuisine, you know, and they were very inspired. So that was a very nice project as well. Um, so we're trying to do like low profile uh, events uh, where it's just really fun for people to step in and learn more about food. And then uh, last, we do partnerships. So we really try to co-organize, curate, or advise big organizations. So we work together with the European Embassy, International Trade Center. Um, we're actually trying to organize uh, a conference now with the Dutch Embassy about uh, reframing, re rethinking the food system in Ghana. So we really wanna try to be more of a curator there as well. Like, okay, talk to this chef, uh, think about these subjects. Uh, why don't you include this or that organization? Uh, so that's a really fun way as well to get our, our voice and our vision heard on a bit more of a professional and higher level. Wow, that's you, you do, you're doing so, so much, so many interesting things and uh, so many cool things. And 
Um, I will probably talk to you about this offline, but as you were talking about some of your ideas, there are a couple of things that I think we can do together. One around the, um, the local events, and then two, just in terms of partnerships, I'm working on a global initiative around food systems with, you know, that's a whole different conversation that I think um, potentially even with the connection between, uh, you know, Netherlands and Ghana and then what I'm doing on, on that cannot, I see, as you were describing it, I see some potential to partner there. So that's offline. I, I will not detract from the conversation, but it's <laughs> like really cool stuff you're doing. But maybe I can say this online in terms of the local partnerships. I'm specifically thinking about um, a new restaurant that I'm working on in Accra at Dawa Dawa. Where yeah, I know. <laughs> our goal is essentially the same thing. So I could see potential for working together on some of those events you know whether it's hosting the food film nights like having you know chefs have access to our kitchen and doing different things um so that's that's, that's so fun that you mentioned this because we actually last week had a meeting where we thought we should do this with you <laughs> oh cool <laughs> cool yeah so that's <laughs> That's something we can definitely talk about offline. Okay, great. So we're at a good point for a break. We'll take a quick short break. And then when we come back, we'll continue on the topic of Ghana's food. We've talked about food culture. So the food system specifically, what we can do to make it more resilient. And then some ideas for how, because I always talk about this when people invite me to stuff, like Ghana's contribution to to the rest of the world in terms of what our food has has to offer so we'll take a quick break and when we come back we'll dive into those topics this episode is brought to you by just egg it's a butter egg made from plants bring more customers in your doors with just egg Start with a free sample at ju.st slash hrn. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based customers into your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier, with no cholesterol, and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also frozen, pre-baked, folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres called Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, so good I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st slash hrn.
All right, so we're back, back from the break. Um, we're gonna now talk about the, we've been talking about food systems and um, it's, I don't think I've delved into the idea of food system. I've been doing a lot more of that work based on you know the, the global initiative I'm working on that I, I won't talk about here, um, but it's been interesting to me um, because now I think about, you know, the global food system, and then I think specifically of Ghana's local food system. And I don't think that conversation comes up nearly enough when mm. we talk about food. I think in the quote unquote foodie world, we talk about the more glamorous, sexy pieces of it and not the actual entire, you know, all the things that rely on each other to eventually get the food to the market and to your table. Exactly. And so, um, I want to start there in terms of your perspective based on you know the work you've done and then also being in Ghana now and the things that you've seen. I want to get your perspective on what you think the state of our food system is in terms of both challenges and then potential solutions. I see a potential solution as the Ghana food movement itself, but we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can start talking about what you, you've seen as some of the challenges. And I think we've touched on some a little bit in terms of the yeah. of local food, et cetera. But. Well, I think uh, the challenges are very clear. I think uh, local ingredients and in cuisine are undervalued, as we discussed already. You know, if you want to celebrate food, you go continental. It's hard to find local food. As an outsider, you don't, you can't really define what local food culture is. So, it's definitely undervalued. Uh, I also. Um, think that uh, Ghana's food production and consumption are threatened by globalization and climate change. Um, and uh, this is where we jumped in as the movement, the movers and shakers in Ghana's food scene are not connected. So these are, these are challenges according to us. Um, and then as for the opportunities, we see many, you know, we see that Ghana holds ancient ingredients that could change Ghana and the world. Uh, we see that uh, if we work together, uh, we can be loud and we will be heard. Um, we also see that West African cuisines are getting popular all around the world, and we can definitely benefit from that. Um, and I think in general, and this is probably the most important, is um, gastronomy is our weapon. You know, gastronomy is a powerful tool. It creates jobs, it supports local communities, it boosts local ecosystems and sustainable agriculture. Um, it preserves uh, cultural identity, it reduces inequality and, uh, and it improves nutrition and health. So I think, uh, I think a lot of organizations, big food organizations like FAO or um, uh, even Agra, you know, these are organizations that are just discovering that it's not just about changing uh, food systems on a production level. It is also the end users. And that's why gastronomy is such a great way of doing that. You know, with food culture, you can really um, influence and touch a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, I think since we are, you and I, and the uh, movement and, and most of the people we know, we are all on the gastronomy side, you know? And I feel like uh, there's a lot to win there. 
Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because I actually saw something I don't know, and uh, I don't know if it was on Twitter, something on social media the other day, where you know there was a conversation around getting young people even into agriculture. How do you make it quote unquote sexy <laughs> um, mm-hmm. for them? You know, for people to get in that in that space, given the challenges of getting into more form. Not that you don't need formal education to get into agriculture, but just the barriers some of the barriers locally in Ghana in terms of different career paths. Um, there's a potential to actually craft or create something around uh, a career in agriculture, for example, that would be beneficial to not just to our, our local economy, but in terms of how we can contribute to the global global food, food economy. So I thought that was also interesting. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though. I was driving to get today uh, through Accra, and there was this big, big poster hanging somewhere saying like agribusiness uh, is a very uh, financially attractive or a financially potential uh, market. And I was like, how unfair is it actually that they see it as one of the biggest economic, uh, uh, you know, uh, incomes, and at the same time these farmers are getting so very little appreciation and so little money for it, you know? So it's also, it's also very much about valuing farmers, creating, uh, creating enough value for them, uh, making sure they have a good livelihood, uh, but also help them to invest in the right things. You know, in, in, in Ghana, you see that there has been so many lobbying for, um, for maize or for, you know, for, for, for other stuff. And as we were talking at the beginning about, uh, about local cuisines, I've traveled to the North and I was really, really excited to, to taste Tizet, you know, to Azafi. And, <laughs> and it was so hard for me to find Tizet made with millet and it's traditionally made with millet. They all switched to maize yeah. and it's, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's frustrating and you really, I really see great potential there for uh, for farmers, for the food culture, for health, for for many facets of our food system. If we could switch back to uh, more indigenous, uh, more local crops that need less spraying and pesticides and that give more nutrients back to the soil and are healthier for our diets and better for our ecosystems and are actually part of the culture as well you know yeah because when you talk about even this idea of regional foods i keep coming back to because that for me has just been a light bulb because i've never thought about it in that context because my sister lived um, up north for a few years and I, I I visited a couple of times and just I think the the diet and again people in Ghana think everything happens in Accra <laughs> but like in terms of the you know her, her diet there I think was so much better than because she at home too was I think again because she had younger children she was particularly um paying attention to nutrition and all of that good stuff. So they, she used a lot of mill, you know, ground millet in making a lot of different things. And I remember just last year when I went home, she was introducing me to this idea, idea of millet popcorn. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. Um, I mean, although what I don't know, who knows what the nutritional value of popcorn is in general. But I thought, you know, this could be, this could be a thing. You know, like you could export, you could even, you know, create a product, export it just in the same way that um, 
people are like phonio is now becoming a thing in the u.s you could where they're connecting you in particular is connecting local farmers back in senegal and mali to a market yeah. you know in the u.s could see could, i could see us cultivating you know the whole not to say movement of you know people invested in millet and coming up with different products that are exportable you know hence creating some sort of economic um economic uh value i guess for 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 those people back home so it's it's interesting how all the potential right (laughs) yeah exactly this is another potential as well the healthy cuisine, you know, that's what if you th- if you think about what Ghana has to offer the world, right. it is definitely also a very very healthy and interesting diet. You know, if you I, I, one of my biggest um, I don't know how to say it, well frustrations maybe is that you know in Europe uh, you have this really big culinary scene and everybody's fermenting and it's a big thing, and then I'm thinking how much fermentation was actually really traditionally going on in in European cuisines? Not much, you know, it was more uh, salting and pickling and that that kind of stuff. And then if you look at the African continent, it is fermentation all the way. You know, this is the technique that has been used throughout the continent. And the funny thing is, first of all, if we're talking about like a super hip um, uh, talk about cuisine and gastronomy, if, if we talk about fermentation, everybody now thinks of Noma in, uh, in, you know, in Denmark. And it's crazy uh, how um, it is actually Africa that you should think about when it comes to fermentation. And that is also the reason why the African diet is one of the most healthy diets there is because of the fermentation and because of the use of a lot of leaves and plants and seeds uh um so i think that that is what ghana has to offer the world as well an extremely interesting uh rich ancient healthy diet with a lot of techniques with which are actually very modern modern and popular right now um that would really fit in great into world cuisine if i might say yeah and when you talk like i i could go on about you know so-called global cuisine that completely excludes a whole continent um when when they talk about that you know you know like smoking smoking food is cool which we've done for centuries and centuries like fermentation you said like people are like oh cool kimchi whatever (laughs) yeah but um anyway like yeah i could go down a whole path on because you know kimchi is uh, obviously nice but it's more like a condiment maybe yeah right but um but if you think about the main ingredient of almost every, all the dishes here is the starch, you know, it's the it's the carbohydrates, and that's the fermented part, and that's the so it's it's such a it plays such a big role here, you know, yeah. and it's so yeah. And then I just wanted to touch on one last thing as we start to wrap up here, because I thought that was interesting that you shared with me um, that someone told you that our national, well, jollof specifically, is 90% sourced from outside of of Ghana, which to me at first I was like, wait, is that, we import a lot of food, I know that, which is, is, again, that's a whole other conversation. But to think that jollof is actually 90% 90 sourced outside of Ghana for me was an interesting 
uh, yeah. retail point. So this, was, this was actually uh, Selassie who, uh, who, oh. who taught me this. Yeah, and um, uh, Selassie, uh, yeah, she, she told me, so around 90% of what's on your plate uh, when you eat jollof, so you have the rice from Asia, the tomatoes from, uh, well, if you're lucky, Burkina Faso, uh, onions from, I don't know, Holland, um, <laughs> chicken from Brazil. Um, it, is, it is just for me, uh, and again, uh, you know, I got a good tutor, but it's astonishing that... People are fighting over this dish while I'm thinking, guys, you have Wache. Wache has such big potential to rule the world. It is so much healthier. It's so much more Ghanaian. Um, and, you know, so I, I feel like I'm a big Wache supporter and I'm not a believer of Jollof. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will say, yeah, I think, I think Jollof is overrated. But I will say the thing I always say for... Um, I think for purposes of like introducing people to the conversation of West African food, especially when you, you, you know, you can say that, you know, you can find a lot in different forms across different West African countries. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting um, intro introduction for some people. But when I, when I have that conversation, because I remember um, a couple of years ago, just walking, like in New I was in New York, I was walking um, somewhere in lower Manhattan and someone stopped me. I don't know if I was wearing something Ghanaian, but someone stopped me and asked me where I was from. And I said, I was from Ghana. And he, he was like, oh, Jalaf. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like, in, I, personally, I think it's overrated, but I also think it helps people to, to start to make the connection or make make that's these places in Africa not just seem like oh that place in Africa like there's some sort of connection so yeah. I think that that's that's the only significant role I see Jalaf playing outside of that I, I personally think it's it's it can be overrated um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think like in if you look at, at more potential that Ghana or West Africa has to offer um, it is definitely also the ancient grain so we already yeah. touched a little bit like um, Ponyo but it is Fonio, Sorghum, Millet um, that are the game changers, you know, that are the game. I, I think they have lots of potential for local economy here. But also if you look at the, 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 the world scene right now, if we're depending on four staple crops, which are maize, rice, soy and wheat, um, which all four are not ready for climate change, you really have to start looking for more variety, you know, more for for um, diversity in, in, in your staple crops. And uh, then things like millet and sorghum and, 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 and um, fonio have so much potential. They're fast growing, give nutrients back to the soil, uh, are drought and, and disease resilient. And I'm a big believer of their potential on, uh, on, you know, on food security issues in the world. And I think that's another another uh, uh, place and time where we will actually hear from West Africa. You know, it's not just about offering the world a really interesting, healthy cuisine with lots of ancient knowledge and stories. No, they also have, uh, you know, gold in their hands with these ancient crops that could actually possibly be an answer for, for food security issues. So I think uh, Ghana has a big role to play. Yeah, 
we're a small but mighty country. <laughs> I like to say. <laughs> okay. Um. So what's what's next for the Ghana food movement? What are your plans for this year? What do you envision? With like, what's your big vision? I guess if you can even say for the next five years, if you will. Oh, oh, we have so many dreams. It's kind of hard with Corona, but um, yeah. I oh, ideally we would like to um. Uh, we, we would like to organize an Accra food week. So a whole week jam-packed full of dinners and talks and discussions and movies and all kinds of fun activities where we draw people into how fun, but also how important food is, you know, and uh, how food relates to social matters and uh, ecological matters and polit political matters and economy and you know, so we also show how food plays such an integral role in our in our lives, and how it's important for Ghanaians to be proud of their food, and to cherish it, and to promote it, and uh, and also to reinvent it. You know, and uh, yeah, so an Accra Food Week that would be our uh, our biggest goal. But obviously, we have lots of lots of ideas and plans. <laughs> Accra, that sounds amazing. Like again, it's one of those things that. I've actually thought about but I've been constrained by <laughs> lack of physical presence there so yeah so when that comes to fruition please do let me know um I have a small team in Accra so however we can support or help we'll amazing be more than happy to to do that speaking of which so if people want to get involved how how can they how can they do that yeah good idea <laughs> oh good question um <laughs> Um, how to get involved? Well, first of all, I would say uh, follow us on our social uh, social media. Um, follow us on our YouTube channel and you can subscribe on our newsletter on our website. Uh, but even better is to come to our, to our events or share them on your social media. And, um, and the dream would be to become an active member and to help organize our events and to help build the movements. Um, you can do that by reaching out through our social media channels or our email address. Okay, cool. And I will share. I will share that when when the episode comes out, you'll see that in the in the in the show notes. I'll include links to the website, um, social media. It's at Ghana Movement, the Ghana Food Movement, right? Yes, at Ghana Food Movement. And um, so I'll share all of that so people can get involved. Are you doing any virtual events because of Corona, so that if people who are not in Ghana or Accra can can log in or that's not that is well depending on how we're going to uh, uh proceed with the dutch embassy regarding the rethinking about the food system that will probably be an online thing and we're definitely going to be more active on our youtube channel by sharing master classes just okay. little um, we just recorded this really cool millet master class with selassie which is going to be on there uh we're just going to have these uh where we did a trip over agroboshi market uh, which is going to be on there. So it's it's really about these little learning moments about uh, food in Ghana. Cool. That sounds amazing. I will also include the YouTube channel. Thank you. Out. Cool. All right. So we're going to wrap up with our rapid fire segment. Super easy questions. <laughs> Let us get to know a little bit more about you, your tastes, your preferences, etc. So the first question or first yeah, first question is um this was interesting to me is do you prefer so it's these questions are do you prefer for example do you prefer dutch chocolate or ghana cocoa <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Ghana cocoa. <laughs> okay. Um, swallow with like fufu, banku, etc. Or rice. Although I know I feel like I know the answer to that question. <laughs> I. You know what? I like. I like banku and kenke a lot. I have a hard time with fufu because I cannot chew it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so then I have to go for rice. I'm sorry because <laughs> I swallow. No, I need to chew. <laughs> okay. Um, what's your speaking of? What's your favorite Ghanaian food and why? Oh, I think uh, I really like eto. Um, I have to say, I am a I am a big lover of akplen with uh, okra. Oh, uh, yeah! And my son of three also loves it. He's asking for it every day. Wow, <laughs> that I don't think I've heard uh, even most Ghanians. So that's interesting. Wow, wow! wow. Do you make and it? it course, you? Yeah, and watch it. Do you make it at home? How do you how do you get your your regular? Well, to be honest, my nanny is from uh, from the Volta as well. Oh, so okay. uh, then you're and definitely getting an, the good stuff. Yeah, and she is an amazing chef, I have to say. And we spend a lot of hours together in the kitchen mm-hmm. and we really learn from each other. So I have to be I, I'm really thankful for her and uh, yeah. That's so, I'm, I'm lucky. Yeah. Um what the last question. If you had to live on one dish for the rest of your life, what would that be? Oh, you can't ask a food of that. That is, that is so bad. It's like choosing between your children, you know? <laughs> oh, no, that is... Uh, okay, okay, I'll go for seafood. Seafood, okay. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. fair. Seafood, all right. Cool, so that, that's it. Those are good questions. Um <laughs> Thank you so much so for your time. I know we went a little bit over, but I appreciate you staying on and sharing. Um, I think this will be incredibly insightful because I have, we've not done on this podcast when I think back, I don't think like a really deep dive on the Ghanaian food system in particular, some of the challenges that we face. Um, and so I hope this is eye-opening for people and gets you to think a little bit more, especially those who are based in Ghana, but I think this is applicable across the continent. We have a lot of people that listen across the continent. Um, so I hope this is helpful for you and makes you more thoughtful, you know, as you go out into, into your various spaces and, and think about the food that you consume, where it comes from, etc. So thank you so much for joining. I appreciate your, your time. Joram, thank you so much for, uh, for wanting to highlight the Ghana food movement. And I really feel really proud to represent your country and, and all these amazing game changers that I've been lucky enough to meet. And um, like I said, the world will hear about Ghana. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that for sure. Thank you for listening to Item 13, an African food podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe rate and review us on your favorite podcast app to keep up to date follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at item 13 podcast item 13 is powered by simplecast thank you for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritage radio network Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter. 
at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.